I'm your host, Ken Lane, and this is the show where I bring on stellar guests from across the API universe to discuss, debate, and solve the latest topics around APIs and API first. Welcome to Breaking Changes TLDR, where we deviate from our normal weekly interview to focus on a specific topic, hopefully providing much more bite-sized segments for our subscribers to tune into. With Breaking Changes TLDR, we're looking to explore a diverse range of topics from across the world of APIs, but we're really hoping to break things down in ways that make APIs a little more accessible to a wider audience. Today, we're talking with Sanjay Dalal and Jaya Deba Jena about their recent submission of a draft with the IET Network Working Group for an item potency key HTTP header field. Let's get to it. What is this item potency header and, and, and why does it matter? So the context wise, you know, this is not something new for HTTP APIs. Uh, it's just that different uh, API developers use different things. So when I think in PayPal, when we were defining API uh, guidelines way back, maybe 2014, 15, uh, we chose the name PayPal request ID for that. Previously, probably, you know, request ID was used. And I think around the same time, other vendors, uh, other companies might have chosen different name. Like for example, Stripe might have chosen item potency key then. So fast forward when, uh, you know, it was last year, Jaydev said that, you know, we should try to standardize this. Uh, and I don't know, I never thought about that, but uh, it, it was a very good suggestion. So we started researching at, uh, in, you know, what people are using. And item potency key kind of won there in, because a lot of uh, FinTech companies are using uh, that header name. Um, now I gave the context here, but I think what item potency key header is about, I'll let Jaydev describe. I think he can describe it much better than I do. Yeah, so uh, I, I'll, I think to add to what Sanjay said, uh, I'll add a few motivations on why we really did it. Uh, the, so the way back in like 2014, 2015, uh, when we were designing APIs, so there were several ways that an engineer or, or an API team could implement item potency. Uh, this is particularly about uh, the, the unsafe methods in HTTP, like uh, you know, post, um, uh, which is which is uh, you know, unsafe and modifies the state of the resource. And, and if you repeat that, um, there is no, it may lead to creating another resource. So, uh, developers uh, uh, right or various API teams implemented uh, item potency in many different ways. So what it became apparent was to the clients consuming many APIs from like same org uh, within or outside, right, that org, they had different ways of dealing with uh, item potency. Uh, so so it, it, which, which led to bad uh, developer experience. So consistency uh, of item potency behavior across APIs was a very important thing to address. The second thing was there was no declarative way um, of um, describing that a particular HTTP operation or API operation is item potent. Um, so, uh, uh, so it was not evident by looking at the OP open API spec of an API and say, oh, this post operation is item potent. So 
so the that declarative way was missing so it was kind of a requirement to do that so anyone without going much deep into the api docs they can right away understand what this uh, api operation is whether it's hardened or not and the third thing was uh, because there were uh, like no common ways right to implement hardened behavior which means uh, you cannot implement tools um, um, to 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 handle um, or or address uh, that behavior in a consistent way uh, so um, uh, like making use of the infrastructure to our advantage so uh, things like in case of uh, failures um, failures like for an idempotent method a proxy can retry that right if it is an idempotent it can safely retry without without uh, you know um, any side effect so in order the proxy like api api gateways or you say on the client side the proxies in order to retry and retry confidently right um, it, it needed uh, you know uh, a standard way of an idempotent implementation so that's where um, we uh, we started creating that pattern uh, in paypal and we implemented across our apis in paypal and uh, that's what Sanjay was describing. The PayPal request ID was the key, uh, right? And, and the contract is uh, uh, so the so key is part of the item potency contract. So key plus the payload, along with the payload, is the item potency contract. So um, uh, it helped us uh, create, uh, you know, what we call default implementations, right? Sensible default implementations. So within uh, uh, PayPal, that every many API teams could use. Right, so uh, it, it's not particular for paper, but anyone. Uh, when when you have a standard way of doing it, you can uh, create an implementation that can you can use across your APIs at the edge layer, right, which is at the API gateway layer, or at the uh, you know service implementation layer where you are really implementing the API. So, uh, <clears throat> so um, we did that, and uh, and our APIs implemented in a consistent way are proxies, the gateways, uh, right? Uh, every, um, um, you know, all those can retry the request when there were failures because the uh, there it was clearly declarative from the specification, um, uh, right? That this is an item important method, so it is safe to retry. So when you onboard API to the gateway, the gateway will also uh, 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 whitelist that API as an item important operation, right? So, which meant it, it could retry the operation in case of intermittent failure. So, it, it led us doing all uh, all these, um, you know, a lot of uh, this tooling uh, in an automated fashion. Right. So, these were the main drivers for that. And then we started when we thought of, you know, making it a standard outside. Uh, and the STDP API working group was forming newly. So we thought that's the right group uh, right to to um, add this proposal to and uh, we started looking at many other implementations so uh, uh, naturally there were uh, implementation where there was a request id some in the body there was header uh, as request id <laughs> and somewhere uh, some api i think alibaba they have item potency key in the request body then you say IDN and Stripe, they, they had the item putting Siki as a header, 
So again, they're all, all consistent. So uh, we, we thought this is like for a developer, if you think it that way, uh, right? It's still cognitive overload, right? So it's not really portable. Uh, so sometimes it's in the header, sometimes in the body, right? A different uh, way of implementing different even status codes right, on the behavior. So um, we, we looked at all, all of them and, um, uh, and came up with the pattern. Um, I think um, that, that rightfully addresses uh, this, this thing. And the key, of course, uh, uh, we thought item potency key, the right name for the pattern, it is like very intuitive, right? For the name uh, it presents and the request ID may be misinterpreted like uh, for, request tracking right usually when you say request id it is like you can you can think of as like the idea of the request that you are using for some kind of tracking or distributed tracing or something of that sort so uh, in order to not to be ambiguous i think we thought item potency key is the right name for the header and 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 um, yeah. that's what the proposal is um, yeah, and I think you know when we were doing the the looking at the what other uh, companies are using, right? If you choose something which is widely used, it's also could be widely you know accepted. And uh, request ID was one of the suggestions made when, before we made a proposal to IDF that why can't we use request ID? But therefore, what we did was we listed all these implementations that we found in research. And that made the case that, okay, item potency key seems like the, you know, rightly recognized name, right? And uh, as Jayadev was mentioning, you know, uh, a bit of historical aspect here can, you know, I kind of uh, skipped over, you know, in enterprises earlier when uh, people were using uh, APIs, uh, you know, often they had ability to define qualities of service like exactly once, right? In case of HTTP-based APIs, you don't have that liberty. And therefore, post, the mutate, mutant methods, like mostly like post and patch, you do not have that. So you have to define something like this to protect those business uh, operations. Uh, and what we found in our research uh, was also that, you know, we have listed a lot of companies, which some of these Jaydev mentioned, a lot of these are in FinTech now. <laughs> You don't want to do payment twice uh, because there was some network error. It's a problem on both sides, sender and receiver, right? If you are doing a payment you, and you got an error and you know you don't know what to do, re, you resubmit it, uh, you are losing money twice, right? So we found that a lot of fintech companies uh, who are exposing APIs, they they are using this uh, header. And as Jayadev was saying, it's not the header only which uh, which is important. I think you have to relate it with the payload, uh, which uh, in the draft we are describing it as item potency fingerprint. This is the name Jayadev came up with, uh, where you know you are creating some sort of a digest or a signature, or you are choosing which fields are important in the payload, and you are relating that with the head value which is given in the header, so that on the server side, on the service side, you can determine that this is a duplicate request. You are not just looking at the header only, right? right? So, so that's very important. And uh, we found so many implementations, so it made case right away to IETF working group that, you know, we should standardize it. It's a, 
there are few cases we we have found i think uh, which are non fintech uh, but uh, a lot of places you know we found fintech apis require yeah. this and if it becomes a standard then you know it's a uh, everyone has consistent way of understanding what api offers so uh, I, I learned, sanjay also said two great points so the one was like uh, uh, not uh, the, this header is not for not to you not to be used for every http operation so you know put delete right get uh, by default there are ad, ad important so uh, this header is specifically for uh, non ad important operations like in you know, on the post or patch where you can use um, um, and the other thing was adding to the uh, the, the tooling support. So uh, it was it is not not just about retrying the request in the event of failures. It is also about your uh, observability systems generating those alerts based on uh, the failure condition you specify that is eligible for an alert alert within your org right where which goes to your sre team or whoever addressing those issues and alerts for the for the other interested parties like you may have customers right so customers may be interested when there are like you know payment failures or something of that sort which are like very critical to them they want to understand at the end of the day why uh, these payments are failing so payments failing is like losing business right and, and it's critical so many customers in the fintech business in, in particular they they are interested to understand or, or whenever there are failures right related to these core activities so the the observability system that we you have uh, because it's declarative and when you onboard the API, right, it goes live, you onboard to a gateway, onboard to the observability system, and that can, uh, you know, detect the, um, those failures, right, and write away report to all the interested parties. So it addresses that entire set of ecosystem, uh, uh, how, you, how you implement a behavior, how you monitor uh, alert, um, your item important uh, APIs, right? And how do you, uh, what do you say, uh, make your APIs reliable? Well, it's clearly something that would benefit the entire industry. Well, I appreciate you both sharing this journey with me. I definitely learned something about the payment industry and it helps me understand more about why API standards need to evolve. It's a very interesting look at how to continue to stabilize our collective online experience uh, when it comes to the world of APIs. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to Breaking Changes TLDR segments or full Breaking Changes episodes on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Or head over to postman.com slash events slash breaking dash changes for more information. <laughs>